It's time for the Masters of the Universe Chronicles commentary, focusing on a classic episode as we join the hosts Chris Vint and James Etock and hear their thoughts on their chosen episode. Hello and welcome to another Master Universe Chronicles commentary with my good friend and ever-enthusiastic Etox, so that's Triple E for you, James. Hello to you, James, and welcome back for another fun commentary, I hope. Oh, very much so. Thanks for having me back once again. Uh, I've been replaced just yet, but uh, the time will come. But so no, long as no. I keep... Uh, yeah, <laughs> so long as we stick to Filmation team, man, I'll be all right. But uh, should we branch out to Mike Young, I might find myself out of a job. Oh dear, that's that's <laughs> never good because that's that's the next one that we're doing. After this one, we're doing all of um, the Master Universe versus the Snake Man. So we can just say Snake Man are in it, and that's pretty much it covered. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so uh, the episode we're discussing today is No Job Too Small. Uh, James, do you have your DVD remote control in your hand, ready to um, count down and hit play? Yes, indeed. Okay, so three, two, one, play. We're good at this. Okay. Let's check. We've got to check we're in sync, obviously, ladies and gentlemen. Bing. Bing. For the filmation. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm about uh, a second behind you, I think. Oh, it's all right. We'll wing no it. Worry. <laughs> so, James, um, no job too small. Um, do you care to share a bit of information about this, like the director and who storyboarded it? I'm sure you know this information, being the filmation fanatic that you are. Okay, so stop there because. Uh, <laughs> <and then I'm laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> the, I'm, 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 I'm that, that I'm, I'm a wealth of knowledge, but uh, I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do this again, then? No, no, no. Let's let's keep going. Um, Basically, okay, uh, the, this episode is uh, written by, from, from memory, and I'm pretty sure I'm accurate in this, Don Heckman. Don Heckman, yeah. And the funny thing about this is that, uh, with no disrespect to Don Heckman, if he's listening, sorry Don if you're out there, <laughs> but he was not known for writing the greatest uh, episodes of He-Man, and especially not the greatest episodes of She-Ra. Uh, you know, they were just, you know, they were, they were okay, but they weren't like spectacular. But weirdly, this one is just like, where did that come from? Is is uh, I'm watching the wrong episode. So we got to start again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is amazing! <laughs> what one are you watching? I got Hunt for Heyman on. <laughs> Sorry about that little technical hitch there, folks, but that was uh, Mr. Etox's fault. Um, James, are you in the episode, you know, where we can actually select and highlighted no job too small, and there'll be a little icon there that says, says hit play. It's now, are you ready to hit play? I'm, I'm right there this time. I'm, uh, yes, um, I've highlighted no job too small, <laughs> and the play button. All I've got to do is press the uh, enter button on my DVD remote, and this time, it can't go wrong. Okay. Three, two, one, play. Okay. And let's sync it up again, folks. So, filmation. Bing! Bing. <laughs> What's wrong with my DVD player? I've no idea. Hopefully we're on the right episode. So, GM, sorry, continue talking about Don um, whenever you were talking about him writing this episode. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Don Heckman wrote this episode, and... Uh, like I say, you know, with no disrespect to the guy, he was more known. I mean, 
uh, you know, amongst certain Shira fans as well for writing the less than less than good. I'm going to use the phrase episodes of Shira. <laughs> one of one of which, if memory serves me correctly, was Glimmer's story, which I personally consider one of the two worst episodes of the series. <clears throat> I won't say which is the worst episode of the series of Shira because. Uh, I know he's on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't want to really, uh, you know, bring that to the side. He's not my friend on Facebook, but I know he's there. So just in case he uh, happens to sign up, look at Chronicles and think, he's talking about my episode. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no job too small. So Don Heckman, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he was he, he did the job, but um, not known for writing the great, the, the best episodes of the series. However, with uh, no job too small, he kind of like... It's a bit like um, when Ralby Gorin, you know, wrote uh, The Shadow of Skeletor, having wrote Monster on the Mountain and uh, The Greatest Show on Eternia, two of the, uh, you know, less <laughs> series. But that's what I mean. It's a writer suddenly go, you go, wow. And Don Heckman writes this episode, which is easily one of the best of season two and the series. And here's Michi. It looks like Jitsu's put on some weird. It's like, <laughs> it's a weighty version of Jitsu. Yeah. But yeah, it was, um, it's it's an odd one, that because uh, you know Mishi just shows up, gives Adam a little, uh, gives him a little wrestle, um, just to serve Teela's point about size doesn't matter and all that. But um, but yeah, this this episode, I just uh, it's it's always been one of those that I just really really enjoy. But uh, yeah, apparently, I, I, again, I'm going back to the script. Uh, in the original script, um, Mishi and Adam's fight went on a lot longer. Although, in fairness, I don't know how much longer it could have gone on for. <laughs> it looked like it was over when we started. So, uh, you know. And uh, of course, here we see Snake Mountain, but no Skeletor this time round. We've got Evil Lin leading the way, which is always a it's always a tree. Yeah. And the the, um, the interesting thing, I what about this episode is hopefully you'll notice is that. Um, Beastman isn't the stupid Beastman again. It's like suddenly Don Heckman writes a script and decides that Beastman is like he was in the Dragon Invasion or you know those those early episodes like Colossal or Wax where he was the evil conniving Beastman as opposed to the you know the <laughs> dark yeah <laughs> dark uh, yeah he's um he's he's a good Beastman in this and we're, it's it's a really odd team up this I was <laughs> the red the red and green of uh, Beastman and Whiplash kind of really clash but <laughs> but the, char the character personalities are great because you've got Whiplash who's never written stupidly yeah. except one time in Trouble in Troller when he forgets who Orko is you're He-Man's friend yes <laughs> trying to oh, on his chest is a giveaway but uh, we'll talk about that one another time um, it's interesting to uh, seeing this because they're, they're heading to um, Phantos which uh, obviously there was an episode she demon of Phantos from season one. The, the, the weird, weird coincidence is that um, the she demon of Phantos was episode number five, and this episode they returned to Phantos is 105, so it's exactly 100 episodes later. Mm. So a lot of time has passed on Eternia. I like Evil Lynn with a hand on Beastman's shoulder there. Yeah. There we go. See, like, Beastman's trying to be loyal, but he's not, like, stupidly loyal. And Evil is like, this is my plan, Beastman. And, oh, t another one, the weird thing in the script I remember reading was that they said um, that the heroes made this journey in the battle ram, which can't fly. And <laughs> if they went into outer space, depending on who wrote the episode, of course, they would immediately die or suffocate, I suppose. But, uh, the, the, the other weird thing, I, I, I still kind of always get confused about this. 
Phantos is, I believe, uh, referred to as. Um, I might be wrong. No, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a rare occurrence then. This <laughs> one of those moments. Um, I always think I always thought of Phantos as one of Eternia's moons because, as you know, Eternia's got quite a few moons every once in yeah. a while. But I think that's because in the first episode, Man at Arms says the moon of Phantos. And I remember thinking, oh, it's uh, it's the moon of Eternia, but it's not. I, I don't know. It, I, fans out there, if you're listening, try and let me know what's going on with Phantos. Cause I, <laughs> then in this episode, they say that Phantos has, uh, I, I believe, three orbiting moons itself. So I'm like, wait a minute, it's the moon of Phantos. It's got three moons around it. Oh, there's too many moons going on. The yeah. word moon just doesn't make sense to me now. It's a heck of a solar system. It really is. This is a great election. I love it. All goes, yeah. It's a good scream. This is one aspect I've always had problems with. Is just like, you know, Adam obviously walks a- walks along and he transforms. And like, oh, it's nice that He-Man's on, you know, Phantos. How did he know that we would be here? I, I mean, that's, you know, I was thinking about this prior to the episode. It, yeah. They, you know, I always like the idea that the power of Skull kind of masks that aspect of Prince Adam and Heyman. But Taylor isn't that stupid, you know. Yeah. Is it on another planet? How did you just, uh, <laughs> and you know, if she asked, it'd be like the sorceress sent me. And it's like, what? Well, that's not an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> and because of you, every time I see a transformation sequence now, I see how long it takes to pan up to the sword. Because of you, sir. Ah, uh, see, that's uh, that's what I bring to the table. <laughs> But, um, this is a good. I always like this action scene. It's um, it's always good to see He-Man, you know, chucking boulders, which he does quite regularly, actually. Yeah. And also something that Adam said early on, you could all go and get some sand to burn. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> it doesn't make sense because obviously sunburn is for a reason. There's a sun. Yeah. But sand burn. If you um, don't get sand burn, you must be a fun stopper. Yeah. Oh, very good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a friend in need reference, folks. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't remember the episode there. <laughs> I remember the quote, and it's not the episode. Actually, what we should do in this episode, I, I can't recall, but if you notice, Man at Arms' foot was bandaged there. We've got to make sure that in every shot, we see Man at Arms' full, pro- uh, full, you know, full body, full profile, he's got his bandage on his foot. Because I'm going to guess that that vanishes every once in a while. Okay. But, um, Might he have his mace in his hand instead? No, no, this is season two. His mace rarely <laughs> showed up. Except to, <laughs> to save Skeletal, where it was genuinely used. There it is. There, it's still there. I think we're okay for the moment. It's, it's when we go to Snake Man, I want to make sure that uh, he's got it on at all times. For safety reasons, obviously. <laughs> of course, health and safety. But this is, I, I love this idea that, you know, it's such a... It's such a simple plot, and that's what I always say about this episode. It's one of the most cliched Saturday morning cartoon episodes ever. You know, it's all about the. You know, you look you look at cliched stories throughout the years, and um, in Saturday morning cartoons, and one of the most recurring ones is the heroes getting shrunk down. Happened in uh, the Spider-Man series. Happened in the real Ghostbusters. Happened in Transformers. Happened in Ninja Turtles. One of the first episodes of Ninja Turtles happened in. You know, it's the shrinking of the character plot is just so. Uh, you know, so uh, cliched, but it's done really well in this episode. This could have been such a, you know, oh, they've been shrunk and blah, 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 but it's done in such a clever way, you know, because at first you think, oh, the heroes have been captured and obviously they're shrunk down. Hey, he's got his bandage on his foot. And then and obviously, uh, obviously it's not the first and only time that we see Man at Arms getting shrunk. 
No, Day of the uh, Day of the Machines. I'm pretty sure. From uh, beginning of season two, gets shrunk, goes inside a computer along with He-Man. Yeah. Beastman's orange ears there. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah, bad mistake there. Someone wasn't paying attention to the model sheet. <laughs> I've got to, yeah. That's the other thing I should talk about in this episode. Evil Lynn is this is one of her again. Like I don't know what happened. Don Heckman must have had a really good day. But this is just a great, great Evil Lynn episode. She's just like amazingly on form in this one. She's written, and it's, it's also the way Linda Gary portrays her. If you listen, there's so much like you can hear it in her voice here. What a cute little thing. She's just like, <laughs> really kind of enjoying being Evil Lynn. And uh, I mean, I was, I never ever once fought Linda Gary for her voice acting throughout this series. Yeah. But uh, in this episode, Evil Lynn is, you know, written, animated, and performed to. <clears throat> it's, it's one of her best episodes, easily. Everybody thinks, oh, The Witch and the Warrior and, you know, Evil Lynn's plot on this. But this is by far one of the best because she, you know, gets the upper hand. And as we'll see in a few minutes, sends He Man packing, you know, which is amazing, really. Yeah. A new bit of animation here. Oh no, hang on. <laughs> I've never seen that before in my life. You man punching the screen. Where's your misguided master? What a great bit of dialogue. This His is. man's ears are back to normal. He must have got sandburn on them. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah. Got, uh, yeah, a little bit of a tan. And this is where it goes amazing. Evil in's pose. I just love that shot. That's amazing composition. It just shows. She's sexy. She's evil. And she's just completely in charge of this situation. And I, I love this. I remember as a kid <clears throat> just being so kind of, you know, wowed by very simple, but just the way this trap is set. It's, 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 it's genius, really. You think, oh, He-Man could just jump up, but as soon as he does that, Boulder destroys the reductor ray, can't, you know, make them, you know, bring them back to normal size. And if he touches the ray, it automatically goes off. It's just like a, a great uh, no-win situation. And we get an amazing end of Act 1 here, where He-Man just... As, he's all muscly and sinewy, but he can't do anything about the situation. And obviously they give Whiplash, you know, if you do this, this will happen. If you do that, this will happen, rather than, you know, making it say, like, Beastman, Beastman, if you do this, that'll... Oh, I can't remember what it is, you know, that haven't played on the stupidity of the characters in this episode. Yeah. Here we go, look, He-Man just completely just doesn't know what to do. He-Man. There we go, look like <laughs> But yeah, just, I just, this, this whole scene is one of the, you know, maybe I overused this, but this is one of the best of the series. It's just so clever. Because, guaranteed, this, you would have seen this in so many episodes where He-Man just goes, I'll oh, pick up the cage, and he just grabs the cage and runs off, and end of episode, yeah, then yeah. we'd have only had a t an episode that lasted 11 minutes, you know. Yeah. The funny thing I just realised about this scene, not just realised, but, you know, never really thought about it, is that you've got John Irwin here as He-Man, Whiplash, and Beast-Man. <laughs> this is the same John Irwin, just voicing, you know, three characters. And then you have his money that day. And probably one of the first times that we see um, He-Man leaving Snake Mountain empty-handed and almost yeah. defeated. Oh, yeah, I mean, the only other time I can think of that was... Um, I think Beauty and the Beast from see, from this se same season when um, he goes to Snake Mountain looking for Teela and Skeletor's like Teela's not here and he's like okay and he just leaves it's such a, it's a I hate that episode anyways that's a Don Heckman episode <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, it's all connected all connected but um, you know 
never thought about that. But yeah, he does a similar plot there, but it's just so badly done. And here, oh, it's one of my favourite scenes of the series. He-Man thinking to himself. And uh, we get, for the first ever time, I just love that this scene's so well done, you know, and he, he uh, for the first time we see him change back into Prince Adam. Or do we? I, I just remember as a kid thinking, wow! Very cool. Thank you. you. Convenience Rock for ruining that scene. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, a, it's a very cool scene. But obviously in later episodes you'd get um, what would be the next time. The problem with power, when we hear him famously say, let the power return. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, the following time after that would be the Ancient Mirror of Avatar, in which we see him do it in, um, change back in full view, but with no words. So I think, you know, everybody says, oh, Let the Power Return was the way he changed back. And I think, yes and no. I think it was done for dramatic effect in the problem with power, you know. Mm-hmm. It's obviously done a lot more in the Mike Young show than it was, you know, in the Filmation show. That's right, yeah, yeah. No, oh, he's still got his bandage on. Bandage on, good work, so much. Just uh, updating the health and safety there, folks. <laughs> I was being really critical there. I was, and that's one shot where we're looking at man. I was, I was trying to find something else that was wrong in the shot, so I could just point that out. <laughs> I was being evil, evil Etoch there, trying to point out. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> there must be something wrong. Maybe Orko's ears are not there. Oh, they're there. But yeah, and, and again, you know, Adam suddenly returns, and Taylor's not suspicious at all. But I do, I, story-wise, I think it just works perfectly because he, Adam, plays that he doesn't know the situation. And even Man Arms is, you know, hamming it up a little. No, Adam, you can't touch that. So Adam tries to work out the situation. It's almost a case of saying to kids, you know, to sort out your problems. You know, if you're obviously kids, whenever they're doing their homework, are like, oh, I don't know how to do this. And but if you sit down and you think about it, you can find what the answer is. What he does here. I mean, that's the way. Film, you know, a lot of uh, formations, moralistic kind of teachings were always there, weren't they? It's like. Uh, you don't have to read it. I think that's the moral for this story, isn't it? Well, unless it's don't go near a shrink ray. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Saturday morning cartoons, and maybe I'm stupid for this, and probably everybody will go, you're stupid for this. But it so numbed me to the fact that, you know, <clears throat> people don't fire laser beams, and people can't shrink, and people can't fly. It literally, if someone walked out, you know, on the news and they said, someone's fired a laser gun, I'd be like, cool. And I'm not <laughs> like, oh wow, I've never seen that before. Saturday morning cartoons of, you know, Basically, made me believe everything I say. <laughs> Loser. That's what I'm called. I like the fact that uh, you hear Evelyn Whiplash and Beastman having a heck of a time with their party. Oh, Three yeah. people can make a heck of a lot of noise. But I mean, you hear a smashing glasses. They're obviously having a bit of wine, you know. <laughs> Don't of... drink or drink responsibly, folks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is the health and safety episode, isn't it, James? It really is. Now, if you're going to climb a rope, you should be wearing gloves. But uh, Prince Adam, you know, knows what he's doing. You're going to get rope burn this time. Rope burn's probably better than uh, sand burn. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot of burnage in this episode. <laughs> oh, Panther. Panther. Notice there, I think this is one thing I noticed about Panther every, every certain appearance. He's got his saddle on, but in other appearances, Panther doesn't have his saddle. That sounds stupid, but it's, it's a weird thing. Cause you think, why would they animate him with and without? You know, I know obviously <laughs> why he's got his saddle, so Skeletor can sit on him and go, let's attack Grayskull, but. Um, the idea that it's sort of like there one minute, not the next. I'm pretty sure it's there in all scenes. I bet it's not. I bet <laughs> returns, it's not there. Right, that's the time we've got to look for. Check Man at Arm's foot as well. No, it's not there. Oh, it's looking a bit dodgy. But yeah, also, if you listen to the music here, that's one of those um, 
this music, this kind of like um, was used in. This is from Mysterious Cities of Gold, which was a pre- right. previous series that um, Saban and Shucky Levy, more importantly, wrote music for. Um, certain, like there was a most of the music from Mysterious Cities of Gold, and most um, most of the music that comprises Diamond Rave Disappearance was used from Mysterious Cities of Gold, except obviously the He-Man theme. Okay. But this bit of music, I remember watching Mysterious Cities of Gold one day. I'm sitting there, and I can hear this track. And I'm like, I, I don't get it. What's going on? Even, <laughs> I think it was one of the first times I started to pay attention to certain credits. And you're like, oh, those guys wrote the music for this and this. We're doing okay. Now wait here. This bandage is still on. Yeah, they've done really good with continuity in this one. But I guarantee the the layout art and the the paperwork for this would have been a nightmare. Like, Man Arms must have his bandage on at all times. I guarantee, without having seen the storyboard says that at some point. Yeah. Because that was like the taking of Grayskull when He-Man loses his uh, sword of power. In about, there's two pages during that storyboard where they say, Remember, he hasn't got his sword. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because obviously, you know, Filmation had a department structure where you know it goes from storyboard to layout to animation to you know final animation and the directing. Oh, we're going to see Panther saddle or not? My money's on no saddle. No saddle! Yay! Where's his saddle gone? I, do you know what happened? In the party, they decided to do Bucking Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to ride Panther the longest? Oh, they fell off and the saddle went with it. <laughs> If you notice here as well, important uh, trivia fact, which I think I might have mentioned before, Panthor actually sees Prince Adam transform into He-Man, which at first may seem utterly... so what? But in the UK comics, which I always thought was quite an interesting thing, and I think a few other canons as well, Panthor could talk. So I always love the idea that, you know, if this was a UK comic, game over, you know. But there's little I take regarding that, folks. That I'm sure you'll hear someday, and I'll not embarrass James with it right now. No, let's, uh, let's not go down there. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, so so we get a nice little. I mean, the, the episode kind of ends really quickly. You know, it's just like uh, very quickly. But I do, I do just love the whole the way this whole scene uh, is is done. Poor Beastman and Whiplash. They've been they've been, they've turned into you know uh, almost like GI Joe size figures. <laughs> It'd be great if they'd turned it. They should have done that. That's a, a tricky misformation. If they turned into like little action figures versions of themselves. That would have been fun. That's one of um, my favourite Linda Gary lines, Don't You Dare, because you hear her say, I think the same line in. Oh no, no. It's, it's, you hear certain phrases that Linda Gary says as either Evelyn or Teela that you can use for either character, because when Teela gets angry in a kind of shouty way. You can see hear this in Diamond Rave Disappearance, she sounds like Evil Lynn. Yeah, or like whenever she goes like, oh no you don't, that's sounds very yeah, similar. That's the one from Diamond Ray, oh no you don't, and it's like, oh! <laughs> Look at that, did they ever return a normal size? Yes, they did. Except Panther, did we ever see him again? No, oh dear, Evil Lynn, game up. <laughs> you did well for a couple of minutes. Yeah. This is such a weird end. This is the only problem I have with this episode. <laughs> you knew it was going to turn at one point. This scene is just ridiculous. It's like this whole thing where Orko's saying this repetitive phrase, and they're like, "We get it, Orko," and it's like um, Adam gets out a tube and starts making noises like he's something's wrong with him. <laughs> oh, please don't do it! Don't do <laughs> don't, 
anymore. Don't look at me through a toilet roll, please. <laughs> That's what I always think it is as well. And it's, and, and it's this whole thing about, we love you just the way you are. We sure do. And it's like, what? How's that? So an episode. Uh, if you ask me, I think Don Heckman wrote the episode, ended it with Evil and they said, you know what? Let's get the uh, T-Boy in to write at the end scene. That's what he did. That's, I, I like this bit of uh, the flash um, flashback. I suppose that's what it is with Man Arms Town. You see the different acts by He-Man and Prince Adam. It wasn't the strength of He-Man, it was the brains of Prince Adam. Man Arms just sitting there reading a the book. His foot's fine now, thank goodness. Yeah. It doesn't mention brain training on the DS, you know, to help manufacture your brain or anything. Oh, yes. Should have been oh, and also, this is one of the um, 1985 episodes. Um, as you can tell by the animated jawbridge there at the bottom. Episodes from 1983 and 1984 didn't have the animated jawbridge, but this is one of the 1984 episodes that I believe was held over for 1985. Man, I hope I haven't just got that wrong, but uh, I don't think. (laughs) For that. So enjoyable episode then, James. Oh, very much so. One of the um, uh, best of season two and of the series. It's, It's right up there. It's just so. It's 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 a. Saturday morning episode, like like um very much like Dawn of Dragoon, it's one of those that uh, you chose someone and they'd be like, yeah, that's an episode of He Man, rather than oh, you must watch Origin of the Sorcerer, it's the most fantastic episode. You know, <laughs> you've got to show them the uh, the the Saturday morning ones to make them go, ah, oh, that's a lot of fun, and that's what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a fun episode written by Don Heckman and directed by Marsh Lamar, who was a, a fantastic director. Okay, well, as always, James, thank you so much for another fantastic commentary by yourself. Um, I just love sitting back and listening to you uh, and absorb all the information. Whether I remember it all is a different matter, but just uh, thank you very much, sir. It was a pleasure. Okay, and join us again for another fun commentary, and until next time. Being strong and powerful is wonderful, but you know what? There are some things even more wonderful. Things like imagination and intelligence. In today's story, it wasn't He-Man's muscle that saved us. It was more Adam's clever mind and quick thinking. Exercising so you can be as strong as possible is a good idea. But exercising your mind, like reading books and, uh, yes, doing your homework, that's also a very good idea. Think it over.